This is Hubs Read, a podcast all about the Rochelle Hubs, what they read, and what's happening at their local libraries. And we're here at uh, the Flag Rochelle uh, Public Library, here with... Uh, I'm Jerry Moffat. He, he's a graphic artist in town. So I, w- I want to ask you, uh, you went to high school here. What was it like being in high school? Because I know you were here at the, uh, with, there was the old, the old high school or the new high school? I was the first class that went into the new high school. Oh, so you're in the same grade as my older brother. Yeah, who was uh, your older brother? Uh, Brian Page. Oh, okay, I vaguely remember him. Yeah. Because yep. uh, he was also first class, him and Miss Bushing. All of, they were all in the same uh, yeah, first, class. First grade to go in. So I didn't get to experience the old high school outside of being there for basketball and stuff like that. And let's just say I was very glad that I went to the high school in the new one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was. I graduated in 2008. So I was there as the first one when the 2004 came, and then uh, I went on to I went to Loyola uh, College in Chicago, and actually there I bounced around a lot of different ideas of what I was trying to do as far as majors. And then I got into writing, which eventually got into road trips, which eventually got into music, which eventually got into drawing. And I kind of dived into this art scene and kind of learning all of the different arts and the abilities that they give me as far as knowledge and uh, vocab and stuff like that. Tell me more about your uh, Gerald Bear series. Yeah. So my name is Jerry. And of course, Growing up in high school, you get nicknames and stuff like that. And uh, I was always called Jer Bear. Even throughout adult life, getting jobs and stuff, everyone wants to call you Jer Bear and all of this. Of course, you know, uh, when you hear the same nickname over and over, you're like, hey. It kind of sticks, you know. Yeah, even though whether you like it or not, you right. know, you stick to it. It's, so, uh, kind of, you kind of grow to accept those right. nicknames. Yeah, well, as, long, as long as they're not like actually terrible, you'd be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I guess I'm you'd be like oh i got some jerry bear now yeah exactly as long as it doesn't make everyone else laugh too much you know right. <laughs> it wasn't anything offensive so i would stick in with jerry bear um but my real name is gerald and i like to be called jerry so uh eventually it kind of stumbled into me making up a character instead of being jerry bear it's gerald bear and one of his first comics actually he's kind of at a place and someone has hey jerry bear you can't do that and he's like no it's gerald bear but it's much more of that kind of inner subconscious voice, you know, you have of, you know, when people give you a nickname, it sticks to you and you start building a character around it. Yeah. It's almost as if that. Uh, I feel like you need, you need to then like you need to be that person. Yeah. It's almost you build a personality around yeah. it. And then eventually uh, mine started to take form into an animal <laughs> and it was a bear. Which is ironically, when I was doing my road trips, the animal that I was most afraid of running into, like seeing a grizzly bear or something like that. But especially with comics, what you find is when you're trying to express or bridge an idea, that making a character out of an animal, obviously of the classic Mickey Mouse, he's a mouse, Pluto the dog, and you know the Bugs Bunny, and the examples are endless. Sure. But when you have an animal take on that personality anthropomorphology <laughs> yeah it it does allow you to connect with the audience more because for instance gerald bear doesn't have a race right <laughs> and uh he's you know everyone can kind of see themselves in it or the same thing with bugs bunny or whatever the animal is it doesn't yeah. stick to he's not american or he's not this or that he's right. just a bunny that does these kooky things yeah, the only thing that would even slightly 
implicate race at all in that or stuff like that race or agent or anything like that would be in like animation adaptations where they have a voice in which case right. like if Bugs Bunny had a Scottish accent like think, okay well he's Scottish Kind right, of like, like any of them. You know? Yeah, you got, you if know. They have a voice. It sounds like, oh, okay, well, it sounds kind of. Or the, you know, the cultural there. background with, if it's a bunny rabbit that's in a bunch of Tokyo building background, people tend to tie their cultural relevance to, you know, that's that's clearly an American city, right. and so forth like that. But at the same time, that's the advantage that comics have is you're able to make a character that is relatable through all races all genders and so forth like that yeah. and it it's not as clear it's not as clear cut as some of the other literature will be where it's like this is clearly an american or a single white male or whatever right. it is and with comic books you can kind of have that expand and you have everyone enjoy and then you also don't have the thing where like characters being added just for the sake of being there right they're there for more than just Trying to be more Being like, oh, hey, we needed a diverse character. We had a character that has no real personality other than their Star their, Wars. Other, other, yeah, no, no character that has. You're adding characters that are like, oh, hey, they have no personality other than the fact that they are culturally they're, they're, yeah, they're, divergent. They're, like the whole thing with like token, token, like token characters of it's like, oh, hey, that's your stereotypical white guy or your stereotypical Asian guy or whatever. Right, um, which makes the strokes even more offensive. Like in, versus having to be like not human or even just you know being in comic form. Right. That you have to actually add depth to your character. Right. That's so. actually a very good point where it's uh, a lot of those visual cues are not as obvious and it allows you to make depth in the character through, say, their interest or their behavior. With Gerald Bear, for instance, he's very nihilistic. <laughs> he right. comes from the planet of correct opinions, meaning that he's always right. So right. that's kind of his superpower. and uh, right. Like you know, arrogance and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So him having that cockiness is part of the in-depthness. And uh, it really is more of a metaphor on nihilism in and of itself and how it can be a tricky philosophy, but at the same time, meaning is at the core. But all of that just around a funny, friendly comedic based bear yeah. that rarely smiles right and i say if you tie in some of the other you know like world issues and something like that'll help people kind of connect with them even if they're of not course. realizing that they're connecting with it like they realize like oh hey i'm going through something similar and like that, right I, they kind of realize like hey then i'm going through some like a similar hardship and it's like not right. actually okay to go through they can relate to it yeah they can relate or even realize that that thing is actually like a problem that needs to be, you know, fixed. Well, because uh, one thing that I always see and that I relate, for instance, in my character of Count of Gerald Bear is like isolationism. And uh, for instance, I'm a reader. I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to that. I'm always in my room alone reading hours on end. So I don't get out a lot and I'm not, you know, I'm not being so social like that. And obviously that can lead to identity uh, struggles and obstacles and whatnot like that. And I find a lot of that in Gerald Bear is trying to break, as you say, you find an audience that can relate to these things that they might go in through, whether it be needing a strong character who's also isolated or something like that. And then they can find hope or energy or whatever it is they're looking for in these comics or entertainment sometimes. It's just pure entertainment. Yeah. yeah incorporating that in your art as well, like, it's something I, I also do where it's like for my one of the art classes I took last year for my final project. We had to do oil pastel of, of those, you know, like those wooden mannequins. Yeah. So I had some people that would do like monochromatic, you know, oil pastels and stuff. Right. Or, but what I had done, I uh, incorporated some a personal aspect of my life, which is I'm not quite introverted, but I'm not quite extroverted either. I'm kind of, and there's an actual cat, there are categories called omnivert. Yeah. It's where 
around certain groups, you'll be super extroverted, but you'll have to warm up to those groups first. Right. It, it's kind of it's kind of like the middle ground between the two. Yeah, and uh, the El Pastel, it was the uh, mannequin. It was, they were like doing like almost like a like dance or whatever. And the mannequin was all colorful, like blues, pinks, yeah. oranges, really pretty colors. But on the outside, every part that wasn't the mannequin, it was all crossed out in like dark like dark grays and black right. X's and stuff like that. Filled the entire page. Wow. So to represent, it, it just kind of showed that like, hey, on the inside and where they're really you know actually known by the people they're close to. Right. They're actually all colorful, but then on the outside, they might actually be cold or they could take longer to warm up to people because whether it's trust issues or just right. not really being comfortable. Or just the, in, the you know, the basic insecurities that go with every identity. Like, we all have our identity. Every one of us has insecurities. And a lot of art is the ability of trying to express that to find fulfillment. And a lot of those times is it's very difficult and, uh, admitting or at least even telling another person you're an insecurity of yourself like for instance me i'm an overachiever i like to achieve i don't like to fail and right. i hate failure and uh you know when you're trying to explain how that affects you it's hard to explain it to someone through just basically words because whether you might not have the mode of expression it might not feel like that it gives it justification right. and like maybe when you were doing that project it felt like that was a bridge that justified that feeling you're getting because for instance what is an omnivert because i don't know if you know who kendrick lamar is he has a yeah. line called an introverted eccentric essentially and it's yeah. about that where you're able you are introverted but you're very social right. when you're giving that safe environment right but and it's a perfect example of trying to use art as that bridge for that inner expression and to communicate because i do think a huge percentage of communication is not verbal. It's not like this. It's not as simple as talking and dialogue. A lot of communication is just not even tapped into because we don't use art to necessarily get into it or use spiritual uh, routine or whatever it is. And a lot of our individual kind of insecurities and identities and these things that we can't express in just words and hand signals and stuff like that they get lost and we just have to deal with them growing up. We just yeah. put them away and art will open that door for some people if, if possible, if they open up to it. Or, and that's a lot of what I try to get into with do art and the story that you just gave is probably a perfect example of trying to communicate something that you felt personally to a wider audience using the medium that was offered. Right. And yeah, and that's basically what I'm trying to do with comics, but on a, on a bigger scale and with do art in general. Yeah. You know, with the whole thing of adapting, like, historical events into, you know, into com uh, comics yeah. or manga and stuff like that. There, I could think off the top of my head lots of things that would make really well adaptations, like, you know, some of the battles like World War Two, yeah, or, or, like, uh, Civil War and stuff, where it's like, it might not be Especially the most Especially Civil it might, War. It might not be as interesting just to, like, read paragraphs about, but then you see, like, you actually see, like, visuals of, like, how, like, gritty the battles were. Bayonets and stuff yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like, you know, seeing, like, how actually, like, gritty the battles were. Trench um, warfare and World War One. get people more interested in the history because, I mean, when you think about it, you know, it, it's an important history to know. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I think especially, like, the history of war is one of the most, one of the most important histories to know because you have to know, like, what, A, what was it like, but also, like, that helps realize what it would be like. like right. Typically, wars just get worse. Right. And worse. And the worse. Pro the the development so, you know, of it. World War Two and the Cold War was terrible. Right. Well, if there's gonna be a World War Three, well, technology's advanced even further. Weapons have advanced. So, and all but that. see, like 
helping like people comprehend like what it was actually like because um, it's easy to forget like the gruesomeness of civil war for instance a lot of they don't have basic medical thing and they're doing surgery without light in a tent right. by candlelight because they talk about like sur- for instance a comic book that i wanted to do is a perfect example what we're talking about is like a surgeon during the civil war and they basically use alcohol for their dis- disinfectant. Right. They use alcohol for their anesthesia. The doctor was drinking. They had uh, they had no basic idea of sanitation yet because right. that wasn't even thought of until like the 1860s and 70s. So afterwards, but that's a perfect example of trying to use a comic to show the bloodiness and the gore of the Civil War to enlighten about how real that situation was. Right. The fact that like you know during like early Civil War, late Revolutionary War. If you like, you know, cause it, you know, broken bones, you know, very common injury at war. If you broke your femur, which a femur nowadays is still a very terrible, you know, yeah, injury. Get, you had like a ninety-nine percent chance of dying, right? From that because they just, you know, it all those muscles just pull the bones, you know, together, uh, you know, across from each other. So there's no real way for it to, there was no real way for it to heal it, right? But then, you know, showcasing like how there was medical advancements, like in art form, you know, showing like, hey, that drawing like hey or even the tools yeah like just showing what the tools looked like and how the, how they were actually used because i think like, it'd be cringy if you just looked at the tools that the civil war surgeons used right. you would probably still cringe now right but it, it kind of showed like for they how they solved the femur problem was they realized they, they just basically just made this like giant metal frame that you, that you put your leg in and then they like pulled your leg to the end of it and it would, you know pull the bones back into place right and they, they lock your bone being you lock your leg being pulled until it would heal so it went from a 99% chance of dying to like an 80% chance of surviving. Right. It decreased the mortality rate of war by a lot. But also showcasing, like, if you had that, if you had done, like, a story, you know, about, like, a medic in the middle of war, you could have, it, you know, you could, do some, you could do things like, towards the beginning of the story, that piece of medical kit hadn't been invented yet. Right. So you'd see lots of, you know, death in, in the story. But Just towards, developing towards, in the background as well. The, uh, towards the end of the story, not nearly as much death because technology advanced more and well pieces of medical kit had saved more and more lives right so just not you're not you know going going out and directly saying like hey yeah now there's less people dying it's they just kind of visually see like oh now you're seeing way less bodies you're seeing way less bodies in the story right because there are actually way less bodies right less people are dying yeah, it sounds like actually me and you need to get together and make a comic book. Then you need to get on this one-page comic that I'm talking about because <laughs> you definitely have the visualization over. You're talking about yeah. pulling muscles and pulling bones because even yeah. the the process of making a splint, yeah, like visually, you know, one that makes you cringe even thinking about you right. over here pulling muscles and stuff. But it's like also that. kind of important to like realize like oh that that's actually the, what it was. The pain of right. that's how life was, or even yeah. you know people don't think about it too is. Modern plumbing, you know, it's nice to flush a toilet, and you couldn't right, do that during really all those that. times. I think what's another sense you're talking about is this background visualization that is also a- able to add meaning. You know, you don't even need to address this aspect that you're talking about, like less and less gruesomeness or something. Like you don't need to address it verbally, but it is adding visually. You just like you'd see right, and it's adding time. value and meaning to this book or this work right. of art just visually, visually alone. And that's a perfect example of how, what comic books have access that words alone don't, and right. just subtlety and nuance as well. Mm-hmm. Also, you're killing these podcasting, man. I love it. Hey, you, it's a lot of improvisation off the top of your head. You yeah. know it is. <laughs> At the moment, um, I'm trying to start this thing. We call it Do Art Productions, and it's like a group of us that we do. And our main message is as simple as the five letters: Do Art, D O A R T. You know. 
a lot of that gets into, you know, explaining doing art, not only on the most basic sense, like what we're talking about too, is making a comic book or trying to express yourself through the monochromic artwork. Like when you have a project like that, trying to express something of yourself, like giving, get your identity through art, like trying to see yourself in art, like as a reflection. And so a lot of our, our companies, so to speak, do our productions is trying to push that message across to people. I can't even count how many people have gotten to do art who didn't do art beforehand. And so that's basically kind of where we go through. And then now we've been diving into comic books. We do a lot of historical comic books. Like one is philosophy ping pong. It's about philosophers playing ping pong with each other. So imagine Socrates versus Confucius (laughs) or, yeah. And they're, uh, and they're talking about their, philosophy while there's spike shots and all of this stuff and you know crazy cartoons insert yeah. blah 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 and then another one is leonardo kart so imagine mario kart but with renaissance painters so it's leonardo da vinci donatello Raphael, michelangelo and nice. they're all racing with leonardo kart format but they're making or mario kart format but they're making jokes about each other's works like right. cubism, schmoobism, and all of these different aspects. Leonardo's flying machine that never ended up being being made to the point where it would work. Exactly, and Michelangelo's making fun of him, yeah. or because uh, Leonardo he famously tried to make a big uh, horse statue out of silver, but yeah. the French came, so they had to use that metal and they turned it into cannonballs. But I can make little jokes like that, you know, Michelangelo making a joke at because Leonardo da Vinci was also famous for not finishing many projects. Right. <laughs> and Michelangelo was famous for finishing a lot of projects. So they make these jokes at each other while they're throwing shells and banana peels and lightnings and all of this stuff. But a lot of the comics that I've been making are trying to use historical and cultural figures like Leonardo da Vinci and Ernest Hemingway and Jim Morrison and these people roseanne but with ernest hemingway and frida Kahlo, and using these tropes and ideas that we have but using different historical and cultural figures in their plays like mario kart with his famous artists and so forth like that so it's a it's a combination of education and entertainment while still being funny also being something funny but also like recognizable right characters uh, even like little kids like a little kid would know what you know little kids will know what mario kart is right or that that. or those imagery whereas they might not know what like they might not know who like felic tds is or something exactly so you're you're doing that you're doing my job for me so (laughs) it it, helps them understand or you know learn learn about these people right or at least uh use their name like uh I don't know how often I don't, I don't think I saw the name Socrates used once today in my whole day <laughs> going around. I didn't, so you don't see these names used much, and it, I think it would be cool for little kids or younger teens or even adults to be able to use this information and read comics and have fun with it, right? And learn about you know we're we're, we're talking about Civil War surgeons right now, like right. <laughs> the variety of information you can tap into is crazy, right? And you know, all comes back to just helping people not only learn but also comprehend yeah what they're learning exactly and so that's one of the reasons why i'm i've been trying to spread my name around as well as create workshops like uh obviously my main focus because i talk about it all the time is comic books but i do music and other things but i'm trying to get like people into doing comic books like a one-page workshop like apparently you over here you could have written a one-page for me i would have drawn it for you right now about the surgeon you got the splints you got the different uh instruments of medical use so you have a lot of that already and i would love to use that energy and make a comic book out of it for instance and i would love to get a you know multiple people with that same intention on board yeah
Hubs Read is the podcast of the Rochelle Township High School Library Media Center. The podcast was created through a My Library Is grant from the Reaching Across Illinois Library System and Rochelle Township High School support. 